Listening to the flip side with Noah Philippiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grid of life. You can support the podcast and pick up some sweet flip side swag at www.patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. Welcome, Flip Eponomai, to episode hey. 82 of the Flip Side Podcast. We are here with our spontaneous co-host chase stancil what's up chase hey you can i mean you can just call me a guest at this point <laughs> that's true you may have lost so, your co-host status it's so spontaneous that <laughs> like i mean co-host is way too much of a stretch <laughs> you, you may have lost your co-host status you mm-hmm. are you are the flip side prodigal son though we will always welcome is. you back Yes. Uh, you yeah. sit on the porch waiting, looking over the horizon yeah. when you return. <laughs> and my tattered clothes and my swine smell, <laughs> swine smelling <laughs> breath. Swine smell. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, Chase, you got to see me in person when I, you're one of the few, got to see me in person when I had the horseshoe mustache. Okay. So let me just say this shout out to Matt was our 15th patron. So thank you, Matt. I haven't done a full-length episode since then. If, if if listeners want to see the horseshoe stash, I did do a Noah's rant. Uh, it is on it is on the nature of what makes a fruit or vegetable a fruit or vegetable. Oh and uh, very, very controversial. But you have to go to YouTube, uh, my Noah Flipiak, you know, on YouTube. And uh, and and I'm there in full full effect with the horseshoe stash. This was if we got to 15 patrons, uh, I would I would do the horseshoe stash for a week, and I would preach in it. And I did do that. I did live up to my end of the deal. So Chase, you got to see the horseshoe stash in person. Uh, don't pull any punches. Tell the listeners what was it like. What was pull your any punches? What it was your was, experience? It was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, it is everything you don't want to see in a mustache on a person. <laughs> like, no, Noah, I mean, like, it's not a thing. So it's just not a thing. So, I, so, but it has left me very curious about what you will do if there's 20 or 25. 25. So that's the next question. 25 20. is the next milestone. Uh, and so I'm, I'm open to that. So I, I asked uh, on, on, I posted on social media, asked for some suggestions. Of course, Patreon supporters are always welcome to email. And uh-huh. um, so far, suggestions range from dyeing my hair uh, like pink, um, pink, blue, green. For, not, all this to me, I have to do it for a week and preach in it to make it real. So some of these things you have to wonder, like, could I really preach in pink hair? Um I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but that's an option that's out there. Uh, I, I mean, could you like? Could is I? it by like? Is it possible to is do it, so? Is it? Yes, wise? it's I don't possible. Know. So we'll see. Uh, Should you is the question? I could also take off the preaching for a week. I could remove that if it meant you know making it possible to do one. Bro, you already preached in a nasty like uh, like you know what was it like? It's not. It's got a bicycle. What is well, it called? The official name is Horseshoe Mustache. Horseshoe. So I kept yeah. calling it a handlebar mustache incorrectly. Handlebar. I, I kept no, doing right, that right, right, right. Not handlebar. No. But that was a suggestion for 25 is to, to grow an actual handlebar mustache, which would be to grow this out long and then wax it up into mm. the curl. So I'm, I would prefer that than over the horseshoe joint. So that could be a 25. Uh, my, my, Us- um, us city people don't we horseshoe mustaches don't look right on us. It's we'll just leave that to our country brothers. The owner of my <laughs> the owner of my gym, uh the owner of my gym recommended doing a fitness challenge. So I you know at 25 do some kind of fitness challenge. I don't know if that if that's the same um kind of semi-embarrassing, semi-funny as the horseshoe stash, but that's out there if if listeners have any ideas. Uh 100 patrons is reserved for the mullet so we'll do we'll do uh if we ever get to oh. 100 if we ever get to 100 it will be a you know a glorious day and i will i will gladly wear a mullet for a week uh i would definitely do laser lines in the side if i got to uh yeah to but like uh, what you do, what you do like extensions 
how are you gonna just like grow out of? Oh, I would back? just. It would take some time. I could grow this bad boy out for a couple months and then do the. Mold. I'm. I'm gonna oh, need okay. you. I'm gonna need you to do extensions because I'm I mean do, it's white gonna people take. Don't do extensions. Yeah, what are you talking about? White people don't do extensions. White people do extensions. Google it. <laughs> all the ladies listening to this podcast please email this man and tell him white girls do extensions i'm not a but, girl come on well, white i mean man, you're not a girl extensions. listen what trust me every single person that you've seen on a movie every man that you've seen on a movie that's got long okay, hair that's I, I not think, normally it's extensions well i think those are wigs isn't that different that's not bro what you gonna do? Grow out a mullet for like six months? It's gonna take six months to well, grow your it, hair out. I that's a commitment I have to the flip upon of I. If I need uh, to do that, I will. Brother, yeah, this is why I'm only a sporadic co-host because you're gonna try to pull me into this stuff, and, <laughs> and I ain't got that commitment. <laughs> Jace, I want to see you braid. I want to see a big braid of your beard, like a braid oh. with the rubber band, like in the movies, and like uh, you guys have like the axe in a mm-hmm. uh, she. They always have a, mm. like the braid. That's what I want to see. You know. All right. <laughs> so we've we've already gotten into some controversial things here. You know, you. as as we like you can to turn do. that into your rant episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, rants. I mentioned this to you earlier. Rants no longer on. Right. Maybe at the end of this episode, we'll, they get their own special time now. Mm. Um, so so those that don't like them don't don't have to you know be subjected to them. So. <laughs> um chase give us an update on your book so last so by the way let me let me say before we jump in the book we had you on uh last october and this is uh we we promised listeners there would be a part two so last october was episode 72 and we're now into june and we're on episode 82 so So, i've done i mean it's only 10 episodes 10 episodes and that's fine I did. Oh, I took a sabbatical. That's right. I'm like, that's not very many episodes. I took a like three month sabbatical from the podcast in between there. So that gives us a little bit. So it's a long awaited sequel today on our conversation about the sign gifts, healing tongues, prophecy, miracles. And and we'll, we'll recap that a little bit, but that's what we're doing today. But we did introduce back then that you have a book coming out called Seamless, which is on spiritual gifts. And it's not the reason that I asked you to do this episode, but there's certainly some overlap there. So oh, yeah. why don't you catch us up quick? Because I know a lot's happened uh, since October with yes. your book and it's, it's coming up. And so just catch us up on on Seamless. So, the um, yeah, thanks for, for even asking. So seamless, what your spiritual gifts are really for. Well, um, it drops on July 10. So we are, I mean, less than a month away now, probably like three weeks from the release date. Um, It uh, is being published by the Wesleyan Publishing House. Um, So it'll be live on their um, uh, store for pre-orders pretty soon. It's already live on Barnes and Noble for pre-order. Um, it'll be on, you know, you could, you could like search for it on Amazon and it would, you'll see something. It'll just say that it's not available yet, <laughs> which real talk is kind of like, uh, it's, it's weird seeing that, but it's fun yeah. also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it comes out, um, on July 10, doing a release party slash concert situation on July 8. Um, and actually this week I start recording the audio book so that nice. it can release, um, around the same time. So that's where we are right now. Congratulations. And yeah. it's, seamless and you are using chase rashad i believe as your yes your author that's your middle name right or is that your yes. that's your, okay that's yeah. my middle name and yeah. um and actually we should start actually using that here too like we can so there it is hey now now you know why yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the prodigal son has a new last name okay. <laughs> um, you know, anything you want on the flip side. <laughs> Um, Rashad is my middle name. Um, there's lots of, you know, lots of cool rationale, but I've released music with that name for, I mean, the the better part of a decade now, Chase Rashad. And so, um, with this being the first book, thought, man, it's a really good idea to try to connect those two parts of, uh, you know, stuff. So that's just what it is now. Cool. Yeah. That's great. 
All right. So the book is on spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and we've been talking about sign gifts. And the reason, uh, I just, a, a topic of curiosity to me, I'm a pastor, but certainly as pastors, we both are what I consider practical theologians. Oh, we yeah. have to take theology and apply it to people's everyday lives. Oh, yeah. We're in the trenches and, you know, there's a lot of, um, on a macro level, there's a lot of division in the church over mm. sign gifts. And when we talk about sign gifts, um, you know, the kind of the list we used last time was healing tongues, prophecy, miracles, maybe, et cetera. And, yeah. and last time we got into uh, a few of those, we're going to get into a few more of those today. But the the rationale behind doing this interview or, it's, you know, this episode, this conversation with me and you and last time is, I'm just saddened by the division in the church. It it feels like it's such a debate that's torn the church apart. And then I've just noticed there's two extremes, uh, one extreme on one end and one extreme on the other that I feel are unbiblical. One extreme is uh, a cessationalist, which is that all these sign gifts have ceased. So there's things as I'm reading the Bible as a college student, as a, a young pastor, like out of college, and I'm going... Well, the Bible's saying things are happening like in the church church that I was taught growing up don't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and there was a biblical incongruence there. But then also on the other side, I, I, I've experienced extreme where it's like people worship this these idea of gifts. And, 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 and there's, there's such a, a fixation on sign gifts that it's like the gospel isn't like the thing anymore. Yeah. And um and so yeah, and 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 there may even be some some things that are contrived over there to kind of, you know, at least that's my experience as someone who didn't grow up in that. It's like, man, is 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 all that real, you know, and, and whatever. So that's the tension that I've had. And I think a fair amount of people have had as well. So before we jump into that, I want you to remind listeners and me, what was your background growing mm. up in church with the sign gifts? What what type of things did your church believe or or experience? What was manifested on a Sunday morning? And then today for you as a Wesleyan pastor, Unison Christian Church, uh, what is it that you uh, would teach your church and or what would like a Sunday maybe experience be like when it comes to sign gifts? Yeah, so I'm gonna. I, I, um, so I'll answer your question, then I got a little bit more. Like, so answer it's the oh, yeah, answer sure. plus the answer plus version. All good. Um, <laughs> I so I grew up in um, Pentecostal, charismatic, um, you know, church cultures, right? So because I grew up all, you know, I, I spent my childhood all over the country. There was no one particular, um, uh, I guess, denomination or tradition, um, but definitely Pentecostal, charismatic um, expressions of the Christian faith. Um, and so now. Um, I'd say uh, the best way for me to kind of describe what it is to be a part of like the the Wesleyan denomination and and particularly at Unison, I call it charismatic light. <laughs> right. So um, so definitely, you know, believe in and practice sign gifts as a part of um, our you know fellowship and worship and engagement. Um, it's a part of what it is to be um, in the body of Christ, uh, but they are not the they're not the focus. Um, they are not a you know a, a sign of one being you know having been uh, baptized in the spirit that kind of thing like you know, one of the things you know growing up a the way in which a person knew that they were actually a believer was that they spoke in tongues or exhibited various other sign gifts and that's not how it's not what we teach or what we believe that's that is contra biblical right like it's not. <laughs> Uh, this that is almost the exact opposite like scripture says the exact opposite mm-hmm. um and so uh, but um also not diminishing the significance of the ways in which those gifts function in the body to demonstrate um uh some of the splendor and glory of holy spirit so so yeah that's kind of where we are right now i say the plus is when you talked about the division um that is so actually seamless is more um talking about that than um spiritual gifts themselves right so we so the second half of the book is very practical in terms of you know it is talking about the spiritual gifts how to how they function together but the name the book the the book is called seamless because 
spiritual gifts are designed to make us um, have a, an interdependence upon one another as we continue the, uh, the work of Christ in the earth. That's really how Holy Spirit has divvied out these gifts. And so that's why it's called seamless because it's we're supposed to be seamless. <laughs> um, and um, even as you look at you know the the you know the the book cover, the um, seamless is broken a little bit because of the division that you were talking about. And I truly believe that um, the extremes of cessationalism and the kind of idolatrous practice of um, sign gifts would be. Uh, they would not exist. Neither one of those extremes would exist if we had discipline to be united. The, the truth is there's a little bit of a, a check and balance. Those of us who are a little bit more cerebral in our faith, we, we, we kind of have a built-in um, discipline for those of us who are a little bit more charismatic and vice versa. So, so they're supposed to function together so that you don't end up on those, on those extremes that ultimately don't represent God at all. Good. Yeah. 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 Great. So last time we did this on episode 72, we yes. talked about, let's see, cause so today we're going to talk about tongues. We're going to talk about baptism of the Holy spirit and we're going to talk about anointing oil. So last time we did talk about uh, healing. We talked about prophecy and miracles, uh, and and uh, you know, and we may dip into some of those again today. But I remember at the end of the episode, we ran out of time, and I was like, "Well, we never talked about tongues at all." And I know that's a big <laughs> one. That's that's a big one that that yeah. literally divides churches, and and maybe not as much today. Uh, we have other things dividing churches today. Uh, I guess it, so that's true. Comes- when it, which you know, when it comes to denominations and churches yeah. splitting off, and and human sexuality certainly to probably the top of that list right now. And in women church. preaching. Yep, that too. And <laughs> and I feel like, but like women preaching was a thing thirty years ago that began twenty years ago. You know, fifteen, ten. It's still today. But yeah. like these are things that literally are dividing denominations yeah. and tongues. Uh, I'm not great on my history here, uh, but you know the uh, Azusa revival and there was like. Oh, actually in the um it's like in the 50s and 60s there was a a movement of of this is off the top of my head like podcast unofficial we call it around here um, <laughs> azusa street like, was 1908 okay thank you so but so at some point whether it was like azusa street or it was like the in the, like during the 50s and 60s there was this like in both and there was a movement of speaking in tongues coming oh, yeah. back into the church. If I, if I just Google it, I could find it. But there was an actual movement where churches are going like, yo, this is in Acts 2 and, you know, and other places we're going to go to. And there was this, this divide in the church where now churches are leaving denominations and starting new denominations. And, you know, you probably, again, I've just just podcasting here, folks. Uh, if if you Googled like how the Assembly of God denomination was started or uh, other yeah. charismatic denominations, they probably have roots in this movement where where you know where this stuff was. Oh, started. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, so, man. The, so yes, yeah. So so it. so the 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 tradition that I was, even though I wasn't raised in any one particular tradition, the tradition in which I actually came to faith in Christ was the Church of God in Christ, which is the largest um uh you know black charismatic uh, denomination in the united states um and um and i mean it was initially a part of the baptist um church um but um the you know founder uh, kind of had this moment of you know of entire sanctification in this strangely warm experience yeah. with with the you know the the outpouring of the holy spirit which was opposite of what was being taught in the um you know the baptist church at that time and so they kind of like split ways and the church of god in christ was born and that's why it kind of has both these two different roots of this both baptist and charismatic pentecostal vibe that happens there so yeah so you're right. There's a whole lot of stuff that's surrounded around this. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into some some. Um, we got tongues, baptism, the Holy Spirit, anointing oil that we want to get to today. Okay. Let's. We're talking about um, <laughs> tongues right now. So we can go. You know, tongues. I I, I always go First uh, Corinthians fourteen, 
feels like the classic, you know, um, passage that that Paul wrote that instructs the church on on tongues. Uh, though when you start looking at the passages about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe there's some overlap here. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let me just start there. I don't really know what that is because I didn't, I mean, I kind of know what that is. I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I, I've, for me as someone who didn't grow up with it, it sounds like just extra biblical. This idea that you would, you would be, you have your baptism, but then you, you you have a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I, as I understand it, it's not like with water. It's it's people are maybe laying hands on you and and praying, and then you start speaking in tongues, and it sounds kind of crazy actually to me. But then when you read like the Book of Acts, um, a couple passages I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out here. Um, this is Acts one, four through five. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he Jesus gave this command: Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy spirit. And he's speaking of, of Pentecost. And we yes. might be like, well, that was a one-time I could see like my tradition saying that was a one-time event. Yeah, that was know, one time, that's a one-time deal. But then <laughs> acts 19 is crazy, crazier because acts 19 lays it out. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. This is acts 19, one through six. There he found some disciples yep. and asked them, did you, receive, <laughs> did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So <laughs> Paul asked them, and this is crazy because it's like first century, you know, it's like they met yes. Jesus. They don't, I mean, they're so, you know, anyway, they didn't have, sorry, they, they didn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So verse three, so Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance he told the pe he told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, uh, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So then you're like, okay, there was this separate belief in Jesus and repentance and believing in the Holy Spirit. And then they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. So I get where like the charismatic movement is coming from. It's kind of laid out here, um, but I'm so confused. I'm just going to be honest. So, all right. Uh, the, I, so I think one thing you have to do is you have to hold all of this with a little bit of tension. And the tension is not in scripture. The tension is in our kind of continued the, our teaching of it right i think a part of the right we have tension is because of the conflict that you already exposed at the earlier part of this episode in terms of that separation and that division um but for the sake of talking about the tension at some point in the early church the beginning right acts it was a clear pattern individuals who were experiencing the endowment of this holy spirit spoke in a different language Either it was a language that was known to humans or an ecstatic prayer language. That was a part of, that was a consistent pattern. So all throughout Acts, both people who were, uh, who were like Messianic Jews or people who were now, who had converted to, you know, this new religion, Christianity, who were, you know, previously Gentiles, the same thing happened consistently. And I think that that was on purpose. I do so right like when I if I were to say I, I'd say the there is a, a a truth to cessationalism in that things have changed. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that this is no longer happening, right? So I don't believe it has ceased, but I do believe it has changed. And the reason why I say I believe it's changed is because by the time we do get to Corinthians, right? By the so something has changed between Acts and Corinth, okay, because. Paul very clearly says, do all believers speak in tongues? No. Okay. <laughs> right. He says that in chapter 14, right? So yeah. you kind of reference both of those things. And I think that's the thing that we have to have to hold in tension. What is that change? So the change is that there was a consistent pattern that 
a way in which in Acts, it was evidence that a person had received the Holy Spirit was that they began to speak in a different language. But at some point by Acts, or excuse me, by, by the time where Paul wrote to the people of Corinth, that had changed. One thing that we also know in, in Corinthians, Paul doesn't forbid them from speaking in tongues. It's actually right at the end. I think it's verse 28 where he says, don't forbid people from speaking right. in tongues, right? So clearly it wasn't that it stopped, it just changed. Yeah. Even though here in the United States, the Azusa Street Revival kind of was a rebirthing of um, the, I guess, the common practice of speaking in tongues, that had not, it had never stopped, right? That's been something that historically from day one, Pentecost, all the way up until today, people have been speaking in tongues, whether ecstatic prayer languages or, um, you know, or kind of an extemporaneous, you know, uh, ability to speak in a different language that is known by human, some humans in the crowd. So that's not new. That's not, uh, that's not a, that's not something that was reborn in the early 20th century. It was just something that gained common practice here in the U.S. Um, and I honestly believe as we look back, um, it was, um, it was a part of, um, uh, it was, it was an opportunity for the church um, even early to practice the reconciliation that comes um, uh, by us being submitted to the power on the you know presence of the Holy Spirit because one of the things that was most um, notable during that Azusa Street wasn't just people speaking in tongues and rolling on the floor it was that blacks and whites were having authentic fellowship with one another and this is just 30, maybe 40 years after the emancipation of black, you know, of black slavery here. So there was a significant thing happening there. I think that was more, more um, poignant at uh, Azusa than speaking in tongues, but that's a whole nother conversation, a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's good. Um, uh, it's good to bring that in. So I'm, I, I got a couple of follow-ups to that. So um <clears throat> the practice of being baptized in the Holy Spirit as yeah. far as church, a church polity or a church practice, you know, like, Hey, someone got saved. They're going to, we're going to baptize them. How do you feel about the the act of then like a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit versus kind of someone saying, well, Hey, if you read what, what we just read in acts, what was that? I got to pull it back up. Acts 19 those folks had never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Like they literally say, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Where Which is not undifferent, not, not too different from what is the inner people experience right now. <laughs> if you grow up in a sensationalist kind of well, background. They're still teaching on the Holy Spirit. It's it's not like they're not. Bruh. They're, <laughs> it's not like it's, you can't say you've never heard of the Holy Spirit. So my, my point okay. is like, when the classic line in baptism is I'm baptizing you in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. It's this idea of this Trinity. Yes. So we will, let's say this, there was not a concept of the Trinity no. in the first century. Right. Oh, absolutely. Not. Around. The, the, yeah. That the didn't come to 300 years later. Yeah. The theological concept of Trinity, just so people know, like came 300 years later and it's because of heresy that it, that it like theology responded to heresy. Right. So people were saying, Jesus isn't really God, or some were saying he's like not really human. You know, there was right. all this sort of stuff going on, heresies in the church. And so they put scripture together that said that all these scriptures that back up, here's the Trinity. So now when we do a baptism, we're like, we're teaching a Trinitarian, you know, baptism. But we have to realize that in the first century, when they say, yeah. I never heard of the Holy Spirit, I mean, they like the idea of like, they didn't have all this figured out theologically, even oh, absolutely. probably who Jesus that Jesus is the father incarnate, you know, like just all this kind of stuff, or, or maybe not, I shouldn't say he's the father incarnate. He's God incarnate. The father's the father. Jesus is Jesus, the son, but even, 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 okay. My, my point is. <laughs> another that, podcast episode. No, Trinitarian theology is a whole yeah, other yeah. podcast episode. Uh, <laughs> that we're, we are teaching people on the Holy Spirit now and baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit now. And so does, but do you think 
there has to be a separate like these believers had in the, in the book of Acts. Like in Corinth, let's just go there. Was was there a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit in Corinth? If things had changed, something unique's happening in Acts as people are like for the they've never even heard of Jesus. They've never heard of the Holy Spirit. They've never heard of this stuff. There's no church. I mean, Paul is starting churches. There's no teaching. There's no theology. And you fast forward what maybe twenty years later when he's writing to Corinth ish. There, there's there's now a church, you know, of, of some kind. I mean, again, timelines and, and whatever. But like you said, there's this gap between Acts and Corinth. And so um, are they baptizing in the Holy Spirit still? Like after somebody gets saved and baptized, is there still a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do we still need a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit where you would speak in tongues every time after, you know, after receiving it? So here's what, here's what, here, the, be, the best way I can respond to that is um, that it's less about the actual act of baptism. So, and I think one time, like oftentimes when we talk about the, that when we talk, when we use baptism language, we have an, an imagination, a person going is going to get dunked, <laughs> yep. right, in water twice, right, once for right. salvation and the other time for the spirit, right? Right, right. right. No. Does anyone do that? Honestly, do churches ever, is there a yes. water baptism of the Holy Spirit that churches do? Yes. Okay. But, so, but again, right. Yeah. So, so it's less about that. Not to say that that can't be used as a part of what this is, but it's less about that. I think the best way for us to describe what this is, is that there are, and this is not, this is, this is multiple tradition that this spans multiple traditions in the church is you have this initial work of justification. And that's kind of what um, John's baptism is, is I, like it's a repentance of sins. So mm -hmm. like oftentimes when we talk about a person like coming to faith in Christ, especially when as we were growing up, like you had this prayer of salvation, right? Right, like, right. <laughs> like, yo, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me and I trust you and come into my heart, Jesus, right? Like that's kind of this, um, that that is like John's baptism, right? For the 20th century, it is as an acknowledgement of I am I am hopeless to achieve justification or salvation on my own. I need you, God. I am a sinner, and I want to turn from living a life that is led by my sinful desires. Right. That is. An initial work. And then there is some people call a progressive work called sanctification. That is sure. the submit, submission to the Holy Spirit to do two things. One, allow me to live consistently in my repentant state, turning from sin, right? It's the power to live according to the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control, faithfulness, all that stuff, right? and then also empower me to continue the work of Christ as a part of the body of Christ. And that's those gifts of the spirit. Baptism of the spirit is saying, I receive that work in my life. So when, so G, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he, he tells them to receive the Holy Spirit when he breathes on them. And that's probably, a that's, even though scripture, you know, uses language like baptism of the spirit, which, you know, Jesus even says, you'll be baptized in the spirit. Mm -hmm. I think the best way for us to understand that is a reception of okay. that which Jesus has breathed, whether that is, whether we use language like baptism or we use language like receive, Jesus used both. But I think what's actually happening is I am, I am allowing myself to be transformed by this spiritual presence of creator God, yeah. both in my character and in my, um, in, in my engagement in the earth. I like that. That's helpful. Yeah. And I think uh, it seems like the, I, 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 maybe the labels are wrong, but the more conservative side is saying, uh, and I don't mean cessationalists necessarily, but maybe they're mixed in there. I mean, they certainly believe in the Holy Spirit. Let me just say that there's cessationalist people right. listening you believe in the Holy Spirit. I grew up in that. They believe in the Holy Spirit. Yes. But even like <clears throat> a more like light, light charismatic or whatever, you know, like in that, that blend, we're teaching um, the Holy Spirit when you get saved, when you get justified, when you get, when you receive Christ, we're saying you're receiving 
the Holy Spirit in that moment. Like, I don't, you know, I, I think of, I think it's Romans eight where it talks about, again, this is off the top of my head, the spirit of Christ, like the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about the spirit of Christ. And it's this same, there's very interchangeable, Jesus' yeah. spirit and the Holy Spirit. But this teaching yeah. that you're, you're a believer in Jesus now, you're covered by his blood, <clears throat> excuse me, and now you've received the Holy Spirit inside of you. God is living in you. Uh, you're the temple, right? And so the yeah. temple's where God lives. So there's all this teaching being taught that it's this That's sort Ephesians of- Ephesians too, right? You're the temple of our uh, uh, night Ephesians. It's a anyway, couple of places because I just, I just preached, uh, I preached this, we're doing First Corinthians right now. So it's in chapter three. Um, okay. And I just preached on that and it's somewhere else as well because I yeah. put that into our devotions, but I, I don't remember where. Um, so yeah, but my point is like, there's this, sort of it all happens at once, you know, you're, you're, you believe in Jesus and you, you, you receive the Holy spirit. I don't think what, I, I don't think anyone in that camp believes, Hey, you received Jesus. Like you, you believe in him. And um, that isn't enough. Like, like there has to be a, a separate sort of ceremony, right. To, to receive the spirit. So, the other- so ceremony, no, but an awareness. Yes. Yeah. That's I what think- an awareness. But that's right. like teaching. That's like teaching what the gospel is, right? It's like a better, yes. a better, more holistic teaching of who God is, who the Trinity is, who the gospel is. So when you under, you're understanding, but yeah. to me, it's like it's an understanding of something that's already happened. You're just learning to understand the thing that happened so, instead of making it happen. Right. Yes and no. Okay. Right. And the reason I say yes and no is none of us know exactly what what's happening when we say, Jesus, I want it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's like, so there's no, so <laughs> there's no expectation that anyone is supposed to fully understand what that, what a full surrender to the Lordship of Christ looks like day one. None of right. us do. I, so the reason why I kind of, you know, facetiously scoffed at the idea that we all know what the Holy Spirit is or who Holy Spirit is and what you know we teach about this because we actually don't and 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 a part of that is like when we have this belief that it's a package deal Jesus takes away my sins and by that I am automatically surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life Mm -hmm. that's not true that's just not true. I, I think we know that now both biblically because of what you read in Acts, um, but also we know that because of history throughout the church, like it, it is entirely possible for someone to believe the story of, of, the, of the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ, um, believe he ascended, believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and still hmm. have no intimate relationship with the Father. And that's something that is really clear when we see like Jesus talking about like, yo, you know, I, I did, I, I cast out demons in your name and I, <laughs> right? I, you know, I did all these wonderful things in your name, turn away from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't even know you, <laughs> right? Like this is, this is a part of that conversation that, it is not a, it is not just, um, it's not enough to just say we believe. There is a, there is a surrender that comes to that. And ultimately that surrender looks like that progressive work of sanctification. It is saying that, um, that I, who I am right now, I, I, we should be teaching as a part of our discipleship who you are right now as, the, as in your early stages of your you know, followership of Christ, you will not be um, 20 years from now, not just because right. society will evolve, but because you will have allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you to a place where you're different, yeah. you're changed. You, yeah, yeah. you resemble Christ more than you did yourself before and all of the amazing things that the lord has already placed inside of you he will use but you shouldn't look like you did 20 years ago and that's not a thing we don't teach that for real not fully not not church wide and so and and so um and we don't 
And so a part of that separation then also too is because we're not teaching about what it is to surrender to the Holy Spirit. And we also miss out on the opportunity to experience the power of the Holy Spirit too, because you don't get one without the other. It's not mm. a thing. So like, so you've, so you've got people who are, you know, like you said, contrived, trying to make stuff happen because right. they're expecting power, but they're not surrendered. So they make it up. And you have people who say, well, I'm not experiencing power because they're not surrendered. So it must be right. fake. So, so there, but so that's why it's both the fruit and the gifts run together. And, and ultimately the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a separate ceremony, but it is a unique acknowledgement and a unique kind of surrender to the work. Sometimes that does come with a ceremony. Sometimes it comes with a special service. And sometimes it's just you in your car while you're driving. Like, okay, I actually know I, I've, I, even though I believe in you, Jesus, I'm still my own Lord. So Holy Spirit, I receive your power to live and work with power. And either way, what I'm hearing is whether it's accompanied with outwardly manifested signs or not, yeah. the 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 most important thing I can't think of the right way to say it, but the the key thing is is the inner working, the transformed heart. Uh, that's the essential piece of it, because you could have you could chase the outward signs and not have the inner the interchange right. right and you could have the interchange without the outward signs and and so but again i think that's where like you said at the beginning if we weren't so separated in the church yeah uh, we wouldn't have the either or so let me yeah. uh kind of i need to kind of wrap that piece yeah up. i want to <laughs> get your thoughts on one quick thing which will be hard to be quick but it's just a it's just <laughs> a wild thing that i don't understand and then we got to talk about anointing oil before oh. we run out of time okay oh. so let's go the if we can go quick on this one what uh when people are slayed in the spirit oh uh, yeah in modern you know modern context slayed in the spirit and from what i understand you know they're usually like up front and uh someone will you know maybe tap their forehead and they just fall back like whoa you know and someone's there to catch them and there's a blanket they put over them or a sheet so what is going on during that because as i look at that as someone who did not grow up in that and i i just think i just think it looks crazy like i don't get it um, I've talked to a, a friend at my church, you know, who did grow up in that. And, and they're like, well, I was never, I never went forward to be slain in the spirit, but I, I think it was very, uh, legitimate experience that people had. People weren't making it up. It wasn't contrived. Um, and I just, what is that? I don't want to say the Holy spirit can't move in that way. I mean, that's certainly like the Holy spirit can do anything it wants. And, and, and so, um, so. But I guess what you what are does very it familiar with. Our, what does You're it have very... to do with? Hold on, let me ask one thing. What does it have to do with like discipleship? That I can like, well, I slain the spirit. It's like, who cares? I don't know. I just I struggle. Help me out, Pastor. So so you're very familiar with it because you see it in scripture. There are several times where people are in the presence of God and they fall. Several times in but scripture. Isn't that, they're are you looking like falling because like they're you know, like they see an angel or a God spirit and they fall on their face, kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. And even in the garden when uh, not uh, 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 in Gethsemane, where Jesus was praying and the disciples were asleep and they came to go arrest him as in, I can't remember which gospel it's in. It may actually be John, where the people come to arrest him. Jesus says, like, who you here for? And he, they say, we're here to arrest Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. And they fall back. <laughs> That's it's, it's we're familiar with it i think you think it's crazy because you were taught it was crazy not because okay. we're not familiar with it right so and so those of and those of us whom like so this is actually a part of the book too like our initial response to our, our responses to anything is more subconscious than it is conscious so when we initially experience something um, whether that is secondhand or firsthand, the people around us who we trust shape that experience for us. They are the ones who will color it for us. So is it disgusting or is it enjoyable? Mm -hmm. um, and so if the people around you talked about being slain in the spirit as something that was disgusting, it becomes disgusting. 
um, if people around you talked about it as something that was enjoyable or something that was a part of the power and the presence of God, then that's what it is. That's how you understand it, right? So I, so I would say it's familiar to us in scripture. We just, dis we just disconnected them. Now, what does it have to do with whether or not a person is living out, you know, their faith in Christ? Well, there's a lot of things that actually that are also a part of our, our like communion in and of itself has nothing to do with us living out our faith. It's a part of the mm -hmm. culture of the body of Christ that we remember sure. the, the, right, the death and the sacrifice of Christ in our life. But whether or not I actually ever receive communion again has no bearing on my salvation, right? Whether or not a person is ever slain in the spirit has no bearing on their salvation. However, it is an experience that is patterned throughout all of church history that in the presence of the power of God, many people experience an inability to stand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so those, those church expressions where they lean into experiencing that power in, in terms of the presence of the Holy Spirit, they tend to experience it more. Yeah, good. That's helpful. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, all right. That was short. <laughs> we, we cannot do a part three, Chase. We are not doing a part three. Okay. Oh, no. So, so anointing oil, it's easy. James. James says, if there's people that are sick, bring bring them up to the elders and have them anoint them with oil and pray that they be healed. Boom. Easy. Boom. This is James. End of story. End of story. Boom. Listen. Right. <laughs> let me lead into the anointing oil. Okay, let me lead, it. Let me lead into oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, let's so, give you the same answer. So this is no. your postscript. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, there's a, a, um, a wonderful lady in my church who's probably listening to this. She's awesome. And she challenged me on anointing oil. She sent me some scripture and some some teachings and was like, you know, kind of just very um, appropriately, very respectfully was like, yeah. why don't, you know, why don't we do use anointing oil and to pray for people at church? And my answer was like, that's a great question. It's just because I'm not used to it. I didn't grow up with it. And so mm -hmm. like, you're probably right. Let me look at this stuff, right? Okay, so again, this is my this is why we're doing these conversations because there there's people that grew up like me and just didn't do this stuff and and a lot of it you don't do because it's just not it's not familiar, but we've also seen this like sort of I think there's an extreme. There's this other extreme and and we go okay, I could see I don't want that. Like there's something wrong with that this this idea that like so the my thought with anointing oil had always been up to this point really kind of like why would God need oil? Like why that's, that seems magical. That seems like I'm going to conjure up. It feels like the prophets of Baal in the old Testament, you know, I'm going to like, okay, I'm going to whip myself now, God, now I'm going to do this to impress you. You know, there's yeah. like this, this thought that God wouldn't need that. We just can pray, you know, whatever kind of thing. So I'm listening to these, these teachings and um, what, what I found interesting, and I want your thoughts on this. Some of the teachings, they brought in the old Testament idea of anointing oil it was like plus the New Testament demonstration or the, the New Testament examples we see of anointing oil. So let me just give a quick kind of take on that or summary of that. In the Old Testament, oil was used all the time. I mean, it's it's oh, a yes. part of you read it. If you type in oil into your you know concordance, you're going to get tons of hits in the Old Testament because all kinds of stuff in the temple uh, and the priests were being anointed with oil. And it was yeah. this way of separating something as set apart as holy. Yeah unto the lord the priest you know getting oil poured which is anointed him. that's yeah. what anointed anointed means, means. Right. right right exactly and then in the new testament you know we we don't see like the that we know of the pieces in the church being anointed with oil jesus doesn't say you know anoint the bread and the cup with oil like there's not things being set apart anointing with oil we don't and as far as i know even see like leaders being anointed with oil. But what we do see, there's two examples that that's uh, in my quick study of it. Uh, one of them was in Mark 6, 12 and 13. This is during the gospels. And it says, they went out and preached that people should repent. They, this is the disciples uh, in general, not just the 12, I believe. Uh, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So there was this connection of anointing sick people with oil and being healed. And then we right. see that in James. We see James 5, right. you know, 13 to 16, which is what you were just referring to. And it's very clear. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to prayer for them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith 
will make the sick person well. And, you know, it goes on. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Yeah. Uh, and then this is the part, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What's funny, my church growing up, love that verse. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. But not the oil part. Not the rest of it. We never went there. It's like, block that out. Block that out. We don't need that part. So, uh, you know, we, just a few minutes on this. I just, okay. what would you say is like the practical application today of this? Because I'm, I'm seeing it now. I'm like, hey, look, the Bible tells us to do this. It tells us to, um, in the New Testament, we see the examples of, of, of praying over sick people, anointing them with oil. I don't see the Old Testament example of sort of anointing everything with oil carrying over. Some of these speakers were that, you know, anoint your car with oil, anoint your clothes with oil, anoint the clothes of your children with oil when they're not looking, you know, put oil on it. And, and that's, that's little, a way of little, like, little sneaky. That's a way of putting God's, uh, you know, God's protection over them, setting them apart. And to me, that's a little, um, I can't think of the word. I don't want to be disrespectful, but it, that's a little like that. Uh, it's, it's not this, like, I got to be careful here. We're on a, um, okay. Let's say like, we're talking about, I don't think God works so, that, that, that like. So here's what, here's as a person who believes in using anointing oil, I'm going to give you some grace and say, it seems far-fetched to you and it seems like a stretch to do what though no i'm talking about two different things to anoint cars and anoint okay. clothes and it feels like a stretch that part does to me yeah and it the feels anointing oil almost... in church over praying over a sick person i don't yeah. think is a stretch i think that's biblical yeah. and we should do that this anointing everything else feels like a stretch so go with that if you have okay. a way of kind of unpacking that i that's what i want to hear so i would say um quick foundation God needs absolutely nothing yep. but God's word to affect creation. We see that in Genesis 1. However, God has consistently connected us humans and our interaction with him and our interaction with cre with creation as a part of him moving in through in and through us, right? So Jesus didn't need to make mud out of spit to <laughs> to right. heal blind people, but he did. Right. He didn't always, but he did. Yeah. Right. Because I do believe so theologically, I believe that God wants to connect us as a part of individuals who are supposed to care for this earth, wants to connect us also with this earth so that we don't miss that connection, that this is a relationship that you're supposed to have. I want to move through creation just as I want to move through you to preserve and care for creation. Got it. So I, that's my that's right. That's my commentary on that. That's my theological commentary on it. Yeah, it's good. Um, in terms of, I think, I think it has to do with the separation. I think we can become too extreme on any end, right? So the extreme end that, well, because God doesn't need it, then we shouldn't have to do it at all. Well, that's too extreme, right? Well, because yeah. God uses it, then we should use it on everything. Well, that's too extreme too. <laughs> right. So there is this middle that's a little bit more moderate, but also a little bit more characteristic of God as well. Um, so so I so I so uh, when I growing up, my my grandmother used to uh, anoint lots of things. Um, and I have a practice every time I move into a new house or, or we've moved into a new church building, I go and I anoint the threshold of every single door. Um, and I touch the doorknobs with every single one. A part of that is just because you're entering into a space and there is the, there is a spiritual component to both um, the same concept, anointing it for this is separate. This room, this space is set apart for one, the presence and the work of God. That's yep. what, so that's, so anything that's in here that ain't for that spiritually, if you ain't in here for that, peace, you can yep. leave, right? <laughs> right? Um, and so there's a, so there isn't, there is an, uh, an element to that. Do, you know, do I do that with my kids clothes secretly? No, that's, I don't do that, <laughs> that right? But I'm also not going to say yeah. don't either, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, it was funny because there were people who were like, man, I couldn't figure out why all of these doorknobs were all greasy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was me with some oil. The, like before anybody else came in this yeah. building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, 
Right. So I would say like that's the, the you know, the, the the rationale behind that extreme, but also behind that biblical practice. Mm-hmm. There's there's a connection between God, and, you know, we've got working with nature for us in terms of um, anointing. Yeah. But um, yeah. but I also I also I, we can become legalistic about it and become idolatrous as well. And then it can become more like casting spells. Right. That, is, that's what I'm trying to get right? to. Yeah. It yeah. can become more like incantation yeah. than, a, than a utilization of a tool. Um, and it's more a tool and the power is from God. Um, and I think sometimes we, we, we can act like it, the power yeah. comes from the tool itself. No, that's so good. I, when I was at a loss for words, I didn't want to be disrespectful and, and say the wrong thing, but that's, that's how I felt. If it's used yeah. wrongly, it feels like casting spells and it's like, what, why would I need to do that with God? Uh, I love what you're saying. Uh, basically, what I'm hearing is, and we got to wrap up with this, um, that if you're like, when I hear you using the oil in praying, your tr- your trust and your faith is in God. Oh, yeah. You are praying. Like you're you're praying. It'd be like if I was praying with my hands raised. The right. hands raised is just like, a, I don't even know. I'm just, I'm doing that to exalt God. Like he, t- he commands me, right. he tells me to do it in scripture as well. But like my prayer is in God. It's not like, oh, if I raise my hands, then my antenna right. goes up and God is, I'm like, he'll get my signal, you know? So the oil is the same way. I think if the oil yeah. is used, this is part of my prayer. And let me just say this too, like it is in the Old Testament and there's nothing that says, don't do what they did, you know, in the Old Testament. I'm not, I'm not saying, right? That's legit. Like that's certainly in scripture still. Um, and so that makes sense to me. But if someone's faith becomes in the oil, like, whoa, this oil, you know, and, and that's where you get this stuff, by the way, televangelism, buy this Jesus handkerchief, you know, send us 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever, you get a Jesus handkerchief and poor people like, I mean, poor as in like, monetarily, but also like, poor as in um, people that got taken advantage of people they buy that stuff and think like, oh, this handkerchief is going to, you know. That's another podcast episode. I'm telling yeah. you now, because there's right. a reason for that, right? There's a reason yeah. for that, even in terms of um, how individuals take advantage of it. There's a, yeah. there's, there's a reason yeah. for why an individual would, would want that, but also why a person would take advantage of it. And just to real quick say, um, <clears throat> Judges, the story of Gideon's ephod is a really, really, really good way for us to not cross that line um, um, because there was a part of Gideon, uh, a Judge Gideon's um, um, clothing um, that was initially um, gifted to him in terms of it was a part of the relationship that he had with God, but they began to worship it. Um, mm. um, and so yeah. that, uh, right, so yeah. That's a good place to end. Gideon's, ephod, and Judges. Look that up. Chase, before we go, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning. Do you know what's in this mug right now? Do you know? Uh, oh, I think I do. It's I something want... scrumptious. Angry Brew. Angry Brew is in this mug right now, Chase. I am, <laughs> I am killing this Angry Brew right now. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Angry Brew for making the flip side possible. Hey. Uh, flip upon am I? Go to angrybrew.com. Use promo code FLIP. You'll get 10% off your order. And uh, Patreon. Yo, we talked about it at the beginning. But the only way to get from 15 to 25 is if 10 more people sign up to be supporters of the podcast. Let me just say this. Uh, all I'm trying to do right now is get the podcast to being financially sustainable. That was part of the coming back from the the the, uh, the sabbatical. There is a quite a bit of overhead uh, on the podcast. And I need to crunch the numbers. I'm pretty sure I'm not in the black yet. Uh, it's, I'm uh, always in the black. I, you are always in the black. <laughs> um, but we're just trying to get the podcast to be sustainable, uh, honestly, to keep it on the air. And then eventually for this to be a part of my part-time income, because I am part-time at my church by choice yeah. so that I can do things like the podcast. So so for real, we need uh, more support to make that happen. Patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. And if you have ideas for the 25, what I should do at 25, um, probably the best way to do that is go to youtube.com slash Noah Flipiak. Watch the, uh, the, I, oh, I have a one minute video of me shaving the handle, the horseshoe mustache, by the way, on YouTube. So you can watch that. Leave a comment. Tell me what I should do, uh, at 25. Chase is going to think and pray about it. And, I already uh, know. What should it be? I think you should have your daughter's co-host with you. The, 
the day that you have 25. We can do that, but I still need to do something. I need to do something like kind of embarrassing for the week. No, so. it doesn't have to be. All right, Chase is throwing in a daughter co-host. That's easy though. That's fun and easy. So I want to see it. I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hey. And they ask you, for, you the questions. <laughs> thank that you for will listening. Do the flip side. Check out Seamless by Chase Rashad. Uh, check it out on Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Chase, you're on Facebook. Where it's like if they want to get in on your, you know, like your social media action, best place to do that. Facebook, Instagram, and more recently TikTok. Um, Chase, still trying Chase to work Stancil, that out. though, on those. No, Chase, Chase Rashad. Rashad. You have Stancil. an author page. Cha- author page. No, Chase just Rashad. my Chase Rashad Stancil. So you, if you Rashad, type in Chase Rashad, Stancil will show up, I'm sure. All right. Boom. There it is. <laughs> uh, spontaneous co-host uh, slash prodigal son slash guest, Chase Rashad. <laughs> thank you for joining us. And yes. we, I will see you, listener, <laughs> next time on the flip side. Chase Rashad, we'll see you. When I see you. When I see you. <laughs> Only the Lord knows. I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> the Flip Side with Noah Philippiak is a Beyond Ministries production. Copyright Noah Philippiak. www.noahphilippiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Used with permission. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. It's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory because you're in or you're out. When you see them in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. And you-